Thank you so much for joining us on another edition of Tifosi Football Radio. My name is Christian Baldanza Di Tacchio. And this is Giuliano Caleri. International break is almost over. City A gearing up for the weekend. Some massive games. We have two qualified teams for the World Cup. Germany and Denmark, obviously along with Qatar. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. So we got a big game, Canada, upcoming tonight against Panama. So Canada hosting Panama in Toronto tonight in what I am terming as a must-win absolute three points a night or it uh, you can kiss the world cup goodbye i agree italy's nation's league finals performance in the final four italy finishing third eh. yeah <laughs> it is what it is france winning the nation's league finals and uh yeah yeah world cup qualifiers to talk about so let's just let's jump right in let's get let's get this out one out of the way let's talk about italy let's talk about the azuri let's get right into it two games lost to spain to one we go into belgium um into the third place match we ended up being Belgium what did you feel Christian over these two games well I feel like Benucci's a moron in the first game uh I think if that red card doesn't happen and Insigne finishes the chance that he has this game is totally different the outcome's different so I think given the circumstances Spain deserved to go through they played really well they finished their chances Torres Two goals, two beautiful goals. Um, Mancini, again, for me, a little late in making his tactical adjustments. This game was screaming for Lorenzo Pellegrini to come on. The guy comes on with, what, 10, 15 minutes left and scores instantly. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed in some selections here. I, I don't understand Federico Bernardeschi playing in the false nine role. I don't understand it when you have Moise Keane and Giacomo Raspadori on the bench. Doesn't send a good message to them, Jules. No, I agree. The formation, that's that's been my biggest beef kind of so far with the Italian national team. The way the Spain game went, more or less the same as the semifinal in the Euro. I mean, differences, uh, you know, we still tied them within the 90 minutes. Differences. Spain didn't score their chances in in that game in the semifinal, and it took us to penalties. So, more or less, I'd say the same style of game, but Spain was just more clinical. Italy still created the chances, but like you said, Insigne missing big chances, uh, Bernadeschi getting stopped, Chiesa having some chances as well, but it just didn't it didn't go in the back of the net, and that and that was the difference. And the red card, Chiellini coming on, he stabilized the defense. So I don't think it, it was as bad as people were making it out to be, the Spain game. We saw how good Italy was in the Belgium game. Mm-hmm. Greatly improved. They, they looked a lot better than the, the quarterfinal match that against Belgium in the, in the Euro. Um, but questions have to be raised to Mancini about the evolution of the squad. We don't want him to be, like, like we've mentioned, squad. yeah, stuck with the squad as another Marcello Lippi married to players that were successful just in the summer. Listen, football moves quick form people dip people become better you can't be married to the same players it's time to bring a new blood and that's always been our biggest criticism of Mancini and I think that's where some of the biggest question marks have to be laid yes Bernadette's got to start Bastoni but the attack it's it's the same thing the midfield is the same thing the goalie which we've talked about non-stop Donnarumma is not as sharp as what he was in the Euros because he's not starting day in day out and it comes down to the fine details and I'm going to reiterate Never in Italian history has the starting Italian goalie been a backup at a team yeah, and been the starter for our national team. And Mancini has Never. come out and made the mistake saying that he's the Donnarumma guy. is the guy and he's the best goalie. And you can see he's not, he's not sharp. He 
ball slipped through his hands. He the Belgium goal too was weak right through his legs. He he started crying and getting emotional when he was getting booed by the Milan fans, which to be honest, I have no problem. That's sports. I have no problem with that. You got you left on a free transfer. It's sports, and that's the first time back in Milan. So it's yeah. like grow a spine and and that's exactly. it. You know, live with your choices. The Milan Ultras are lo- are a loyal bunch. They've it's a historic club. And at the end of the day, I'm not a Milan fan, but you left for nothing. If you really cared about this Milan squad, you would have signed an extension and you would have made PSG pay some money yeah. to the Milan squad. And didn't leave in a good no in a good way either. So yeah, the, the, the big question marks around around uh, Mancini and his team selections, I think the We've worrying said this, fan Jules. is he's not evolving. We said this. If you go back to our podcast when we previewed the Euro, we said Italy's a mixed bag. It all depends on what you want. We wish nothing but Italy success, but we knew that if they would if they would go deep and they had a great Euro, which obviously they had a fantastic Euro, and I'm not complaining about that, we would be stuck with these guys because that's the way the Italian mentality is, which is what I don't understand. This is not a finished product. Keep building. Keep making the adjustments. Keep making the adjustments. And Mancini's not right now. He's not. I, I mean, and what does that say for for players that are trying to break into the squad? They're gonna. It, it's it's a psychological barrier for these guys. So like a guy like I, I'm gonna say it, a guy like Lorenzo Pellegrini. What does this guy have to do to get in the squad to get in the starting lineup? The best player, hands down, in City out right now. Yes, hands down, the best player. Yes, he's having a a breakout season, but this guy is a substitute for this team because. Mancini won with Jorginho, Barella, and Verratti. And so he's married to them. And we saw in the first game against Spain in this international break what a difference this guy makes when coming on. We know what the weakness is with this 4-3-3 system with this starting 11. There is nothing, there's no threat from outside the 18 at all because Jorginho won't shoot, Verratti won't shoot, Barella will shoot here and there, but he'll never shoot he's, from the yeah, outside. He's, he's not an in-and-out goal scorer, he did, and he did score it from the outside on a volley, but he's not going to do that every game. Game Barella. in and game out. And you got guys on the bench that are an outside threat, like Locatelli, but more so Pellegrini, and these guys sit on the bench. The second you bring on a guy like Lorenzo Pellegrini, who is known as who can score from inside the box, who can score from outside the box, who can pretty much score from anywhere. That is another thing for this Spanish team to think about. And look, it it was an instant impact right away. He didn't have as much of an impact in the Belgium game because the game meant nothing. You were running with your B or so, want to say even C team, aside from Emerson, which I do not understand why this guy got a friggin' start again. It's a joke in a meaningless game. But... That's just the way it is. I in, think Italian, in two games and not even subbed off once, Emerson. Yeah, I don't understand it. I don't. I actually got in an argument with a guy about it. Uh, you know, you're in a meaningless game against Belgium. I'll just say it real quick. You're in a meaningless game against Belgium. Why not give a guy like Di Marco a run? You got you brought him into the squad. Why not give him a run? Because the game is meaningless. The third place game is meaningless, and there are better Italian left backs out there than Emerson. It hands down. Cristiano Biraghi, look up Fiorentina. They're in fifth place. They're good. He's playing almost every minute for Fiorentina. So if you think that Cristiano Biraghi is not up to Emerson levels, you're you're drunk. You're drunk. And the other one too, Di Marco, he's having more of an impact than Emerson. Emerson plays on Lyon that is sitting in 10th place in Ligue 1, in a one-team league that is just the, it's the Paris Saint-Germain league. 
10th place. Yeah, There's no threat. There is no threat. And you got DiMarco who's coming in, who's broken into the Inter squad <gasps> after so many years being loaned out. He's he's taken Petisic off out of the starting lineup. He's been playing a left center back position, left wing back position. I mean, he's being used in the Inter team. It's not like he's a, a sub player. I don't, he's I, being used. And the, but this is all Mancini's doing. This it is, is all it Mancini's, is Mancini's doing. doing. You know? The once again, to bring it back to Donnarumma, like the goalie selection, Sirigu, Maret. Of course, you're going to start Donnarumma because those guys are never going to compete with yeah. Donnarumma. Donnarumma is heads and shoulders above yeah. those two goalies. But there are other go- there are Italian goalkeepers out there that will benefit from this. Emilio Darrow, huge, huge, huge option there. Yeah. Emilio Darrow for crying out loud. I'd even give Alessio Cragno a run. I know Cagliari sitting at the bottom table, but Genoa's no better. So what does makes it? What is what is why is Sirigu head and shoulders above Alessio Cragno? Can you tell me? There is no rhyme or reason to it. There is no rhyme. Marco Silvestri, outstanding season with Udinese it so mu- far. It must be to protect Donnarumma to make him feel like he's number one. It's to ridiculous. protect his psychology, I think. It's ridiculous. I know we sounded really negative about that, but that is, that is what it is. Italy is not a finished product yet. And this, I, I'm kind of happy that this happened. This is a lot, this happened because now the Italian media should ask him, you know, you need you're not it's not a finished product, so you need to make some adjustments here. There's a, these guys are not invincible. No, they're not. And I, and I know we're sounding picky. I think if we were in the in the game against France, we would have beat them. I I do believe that Belgium. Obviously, we have their number. The only team that's really had our number over the past decade and, and a little bit is Spain. Spain always has Spain's our number. Spain's our bogey team, and it's the style of play that they they have adopted, and it's really we struggle to beat them. Yeah. Um, while it seems like other teams have figured out how to beat Spain, we still want to play three ball playing midfielders, arguably better than their three ball playing midf- midfielders. But it's, we made a point yesterday. It's not just the three v three in the midfield. It's yeah. their forwards act like midfields. Yeah, their defenders right. act like midfields. Yeah. Italy's has beautiful ball players, but there's only three of them in the team. Then we got our forwards. Our our forwards they don't like to drop deep. Maybe in nope. a little bit, but he always has his nose towards goal. And then our defenders are defenders first, not midfielders uh, first. So that's the difference. Yes, we have the best midfield probably in the world, but when you come up against a team like Spain, we have to start having better solutions to defeating them. Because at the end of the day, we only beat them on penalties. If Spain finished in the Euro, their chances we'd be talking about a semi-final exit. Uh, yeah. And and you can see things have not improved. I think that's the biggest. That's the biggest thing is things have not improved since the Euro. Yeah. And that's and they, the scariest part. They should be improving. They should be because improving, Because like, yeah. like, like we've said, this is, this is not a finished product. It is a work in bloody progress. Like you have to keep adjusting. Thank the teams for what they did, but that's it. I know. I think the... Thank the players for what they did, but if you're not the, if you're not the best player anymore, I'm not taking you. So we're talking about adjustments. I know player selection, stuff like that. So what what would you do for if you were in Mancini's shoes? What would you do to kind of revolutionize this team and take it into the next step? I think you got to find something. You got to find another formation that works. Four three three for Italy with the heavy left side. It works on. It works. It worked in the Euros, but guess what? Spinazzola is not there anymore. Spinazzola, <laughs> yeah. Spinazzola's not there anymore. Spinazzola's not there anymore. He's hurt. And uh, he, he will be coming back. And I'm sure Mancini's going to slot him right back into the squad, which I don't agree with. Um, and uh, you have to find 
another formation that works to tweak. So if you don't have the players that fit the system, you have to be able to adjust. Mancini doesn't have that system that can adjust, right? And that is scary. I mean, I would probably go with a... I think this team has what it takes to go with a four diamond in the midfield, two up top. I think there's a lot of pieces there that could do it. I think you could move Chiesa into a center forward position. Which he essentially did against, yeah. against Belgium. And then you put Cheeto side by side with him. So Cheeto has someone to work with. I think Pellegrini, you have to put him as a center attacking mid. And then you can play a narrow diamond. You can play with a Verratti in the center D, Jorginho and Barella if you want. But you have that threat up top with Pellegrini with that link with Chiesa and Chiro Immobile. Because like it or not, Chiro Immobile is the only thing we have right now. This guy is Teflon, bulletproof. I yeah. mean, there's nobody else out there that can take him. People are getting their chances. And they're blowing And they're not taking it. It's, no. But once again... It is the system yeah. is not being supportive to the forwards. The system is to benefit the midfielders. That's right. The system that Mancini has laid out. That's right. And, and the wing play. Yeah. And I agree. He has to change the formation and the philosophy of the team. Find another way to attack. Yeah. There is just our biggest criticism, once again, is there's no plan B. That's the biggest criticism. No yeah, plan that's B. That's our point. There's no plan no B. No plan B. Every championship team has a plan B. It's very true. Like, you look at France. So, let's talk about the final a little let's bit. Let's talk about that. Spain, France. So, France was kind of... They showed character, They showed character. Spain dominated. Yeah. Uh, the first, I'd say, 60 minutes possession-wise. The usual stuff Spain does. They took the lead through Mikel Orizabal. But the biggest thing is France can change their systems. They can That's go right. possession. They can go defense. They can go counterattack. And Another perfect example is the semifinals. Down 2 nothing at half. They adjust at halftime, and they went three to two against Belgium. Exactly. So they can adjust. They, they can. Change. They came back twice. You know, the France team, yes, have a lot of talent, but Italy, I don't care what anyone says, is one of the most talented squads. You can't tell me if you go player for player against Spain, for instance, that Spain's better than Italy. No, you can't. You can go player for player. Yes, France has the more flashier names on yeah, paper. Of course. But if you look, player for player the kids France brought in compared to the players we have, I think we can go punch for punch. Okay, yes, Kylian Mbappe. We don't have a Kylian Mbappe they brought uh, per se. But we have, we have Chiesa. Chiesa, for me, he's, a, probably our he, best he's, player, he's maybe a little yeah. bit. He's not as good as Mbappe, but he's not far off. He's, he's good enough. Uh, yes, we don't have an Antoine uh, Griezmann who, who runs in late into the box and, is a, and drops deep to play uh, number 10 style. That could be Pellegrini. But yeah. we refuse to play that. Benzema, that's the biggest difference between us and France. We don't have a Benzema. Benzema, this is why France won. They can concede and then bam, they scored two minutes later with a huge response to individual brilliance. That That is France's strength right there. They have individuals that can turn a game on its head yeah. at the snap of a finger. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't say they're much better than us yeah. in, in, any, in any department. We can go punch for punch with the defending world champions. But they just have plan A, plan B, plan C. Deschamps, I think, is he a better manager than Mancini? No, I just think he's had more no. time. He's had more time, and he's been. He has other plans. He has he has more tricks up his sleeve than Mancini does. Yeah, he does. Because I think I think if we play France, I think we can beat France. But guess what? France is going to adjust. If it's not going well in the first half, France is going to adjust. Yeah, that, that's why I was hoping for that game against France because that's the true litmus test for me. If if we are 
legit yeah. champions because we got to beat the world champions. You have to. For me. Like uh, it or not, France are defending world champions. They are world champions and they are now Nations League champions. Yeah. So they're the team to beat. They've won two of the three. They're the team to beat. Yeah, I'd say, once again, Italy's up there, but they're the team to beat. Also, in the in the final, a little bit of controversy with the offside yeah, call. He was offside. He was offside in the in the... I don't care how they explain it. He's offside. Any football person knows that this is offside. Yeah. It's very similar. It was There was a good point made on ESPN, one of the pundits there. He said, what's the difference between one of the goalies if he's screened by a shot and the player's in an offside position, influence in play, and the goal's disallowed because of that screen? What is the difference? The player's know. in an offside position affecting the play. Mbappe's in an offside position affecting the play. Yeah. Because he's the target of a long pass. For the people that didn't see it, Teo Hernandez makes a... A diagonal pass right through the middle. Eric Garcia makes a lunge, tips it with his toe, pushes the ball past uh, himself onto an offside. Mbappe runs, breakaway step over, slots in with his left foot. That's how that went in. And that's how France won, controversially. Uh, that's the controversy there it is what it in is. that game. We, w- I think that rule will be changed as we see. Yeah. Uh, some standout performances. City always to Hernandez. The hero on both I games. I think he's locked himself in now. Yeah, finally getting his call. Scores the winning goal against Belgium. And then he sets up the winning goal against Spain. So yeah. terrific response from the Milan left wing back. Yeah. Anything so, else you want to say about Nations League? No. Let's move on to World Cup qualifiers in the UEFA group, and then we'll talk about the CONCACAF region. So some big, big results. Let's first talk. Let's get this out of the way. So Switzerland wins their two games in hand. So they have now tied on points with Italy. The only tie, the tiebreak, the first tiebreaker is goal differential. So. Italy's superior goal differential, only by a couple of goals, is what's keeping them afloat from Switzerland. And everyone else is eliminated in the group, yeah. so nothing that, to play for. That game against Switzerland is going to be because we don't we don't want <laughs> flashbacks. You don't want to Sweden twenty eighteen. How I would rather lose that the Euro and make the World Cup as opposed to when they when they are on the mess out on the yeah, World Cup. At the Cup. end of the day, the World Cup is will put stars on your. Exactly. New Jersey, right? So, Switzerland, crucial, crucial game with Italy. That's the first World Cup qualifier in the next international break that Italy has. That's going to be, that's going to basically dictate who finishes first and who finishes second. And then Italy ends up, ends off their uh, World Cup qualifying campaign against Northern Ireland. But you have to win that Switzerland game. I think you have to win that Switzerland game. You cannot tie it. And then, and then, Hope for a big win against the Northern Northern Ireland because hey, Switzerland can come out in their last game and score five six goals if they want. You don't know. You have to end it now. Cut it. Cut their hope. Make them focus on the playoffs in November. Beat them. Beat them. That's what doubts. What is going to be the difference? You have to beat them now. I agree. You have to beat them. Don't I play agree. for the tie. Beat them. I agree. Other big, uh, you know, a lot of tight. Groups actually, we have Spain might even be missing out yes. of an automatic qualification spot. Might finish second. Sweden, two games left in their group, but they play Sweden one more time. Two games left, they play Sweden one more time. Sweden has a two-point advantage uh, in Group B, as well in Group A. Serbia, Portugal, Portugal does have a game in hand, one point behind Serbia, but they also play each other on the last day of qualifying in that. Can group. I just say something about Portugal for a second? How Ronaldo likes to stat pad against Luxembourg. Sorry, no yes. offense to the Ronaldo. No, fans. seriously, Th- that's all I saw this morning on Sports Center on 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 TSN. Yeah, he the guy got two penalties against Luxembourg for God's sake. And they're saying, "Oh, he scored a hat trick." First of all, it's Luxembourg. 
who have who have never qualified for a major tournament ever. One of the one of the minnows in Europe, number one, and number two, two of them were penalties. So give me a break, okay? Give me a break. I'm just gonna say right now, he's he. This is not the Ronaldo that used to be. It's definitely not. He's just a a stat patter. <laughs> And he's not an effective player, in my opinion. People, are, people are going to hate that. No, but. you know, I don't care. I honestly think Portugal plays better without him. Enough said. Group D, France even, uh, game in hand. Only three points above Ukraine, but they also play each other uh, in that. So that, that group's yeah, but, tight. But France, France should be in. But France it's, it's crazy how tight some of these groups are. Yeah, France should be in. Ukraine, Finland, like they're going to be going for the final series playoff. And... For those of you that are following the World Cup qualifiers, for UEFA, it's a one-and-done mixed tournament bag for the playoff. It's not a two-legged home-and-home where you're going to be playing for a final spot anymore. It's That's yeah. it. One-and-done. Like, yeah. It's going to be... You do not want to go into this playoff. No, you round. don't. This is going to be a hard playoff round, especially with some... Of the, like, Listen to some of these teams we're naming. Uh, yeah. In Group E, Belgium on top. They pretty much got it, but yeah. Czech and Wales are going to be fighting. Yeah. Aaron Ramsey uh, having a pretty good Wales qualification. Wales does have the game in hand, though. Aaron Ramsey playing more games for Wales this year than yeah. he has Juve, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, group F, Denmark, like we said, already qualified. Yeah. Scotland picked Shout up a... Shout out to Scotland. Huge victory. Pretty much guaranteeing... Second place. ...a playoff spot. And, I mean, Israel is still in there, the team that they beat, but... It's, Four points behind. It's pretty much done. That's a team I wouldn't want to play in the playoff round. Yeah, Scotland, they're going to be feeling good. The tightest group, Netherlands, Norway, Turkey, all Turkey battling. Blew Turkey blew it to, for me. Yeah, two games left. Turkey. Turkey blew it. Yeah, they, they blew it on Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, I think the Norwegians what are going to sneak turkeys. in. And, seriously. <laughs> but that's the thing, too. Norway's only two points behind Netherlands. And Norway is a dangerous team. They're big. Halland. Yep. They're scary. I they are play another them. team. Another team, exactly. Russia leading yeah. Group H with Croatia in second. Yeah. Group I, England, Poland picking up a massive victory over Albania, one 0 One 0 Only three points behind England. England stumbling against Hungary in that one-one draw. A lot of controversy there on some racial abuse by the Hungarian fans. Yes, band. of course. But Hungary, yeah, not. It's good. not over there. And when you look at, like, it's gonna be. I, I don't even know who England plays in their last two rounds here. Let me just take a quick look here. Yeah. England plays Albania, which is not a which is not an easy play. No, because Albania is going to be fighting for that second for place, their lives, right? Right. Only two points behind Poland now, but yeah, they still have a chance. And they still have a chance. But then their last game is against San Marino. Uh, might lose, but you never know. <laughs> but in and group San Marino, do it. <laughs> and then in Group J, like we said, Germany already qualified. Romania, North Macedonia, and Armenia fighting. And, and Iceland, actually, we got to say, are all fighting for that second spot. Yeah, so I that's mean, a tight uh, group. It's so tight that Romania is with, on 13 points, North Macedonia on 12, Armenia on 12, Iceland on 8. And for those of you, Haggy's son scored a friggin' wonder goal against Germany. Yes, they did lose. Romania did lose 2-1 to one to Germany. But that you, wonder goal, you got to check out that Romania goal against Germany. It was friggin' phenomenal. And that basically caps up uh, UEFA World Cup qualifying. Qualification, yeah. Well, we'll get into our side of the pond now. Canada. All right. Three games we played. Two already played. One to be played this evening against Panama. Tied Mexico 1-1 at the Azteca. A historical tie. But then you go tie and then they go tie Jamaica. Yeah. In a, in for me, a do-or-die game. A lot of Canadian fans saying a point's okay. For me... The completely wrong 
attitude you have to have. That's that's three points, well, two points dropped. That's yeah. a must win. That's a last place team. You want to qualify for the World Cup, that is a must win. Enough of this draws are nice and this and that. You got to go out and win games. Um, personally, I think the manager, Herdman, made a few errors. I think they took the Mexico game too serious because it, it would have been okay with the loss in Mexico regardless. I think the draw cost us too much. We paid too much to get a draw in Mexico. We got too many suspensions, tired legs. You can see in Jamaica, the players that were missing were very important. Jamaica created more opportunities because we're missing big players in Victoria in the back, missing big guys up top in, in uh, Tejan Buchanan. So really affected our, our play. And they were a shell of the team that showed up in Mexico. What did you think? about this so far the first two games i mean they still got everything to play for against panama which will be the if they if they drop it here and and it's over yeah it's to me it's it's this is a do or die game they're playing they're playing uh they're playing panama at home in toronto tonight and uh to me this is a must-win game i was very disappointed in the jamaica game very very disappointed and the one thing that disappointed me the most is a lot of analysts and media, you hear them talking about, you know, I'm happy with this point considering. I'm not happy with the point. I'm actually disappointed. And even John Herdman saying they're very happy with the point. Jamaica is the worst team in this qualification group. They only claim their second point um, in, in this qualification campaign in this in the, at this stage. And... Clearly, Canada did is is more than a class above this Jamaica national team, and they came in and they played scared. That's what I think. The difference for me is if you are a per, if you're going to qualify for the World Cup, you're going to win this game in Jamaica. That's that's a difference for me. And the one thing I will criticize is the Canadian mentality because we all know how the Canadian mentality is in sports. Oh, it's okay. Good luck. Better luck next time. No, that is, that doesn't work here. You want to make the world cup. You got to be pissed off that you only got a point against Jamaica. So me, if I was John Herman, I'd be pissed off with these guys. Like Liam Frazier, my God had the best opportunity of the game and he shot it right at Blake. He shot it right at the goalkeeper. He had a white, he had a whole, bloody net that's where i think and shot it right at the goalkeeper that's where Te, like tejan buchanan how important i think he is the best player for yeah, canada jules liam frazier is a professional player of course but not an in and out player for canada he doesn't always yeah. start every game for his team you need the you need the experienced head of tejan buchanan there yeah. someone who's fearless yeah. in front the other thing too is like you said they played scared that was a player who took the opportunity scared yeah, but you have other options on the bench, and John Herdman makes his changes way too late for me. He he rides these starting eleven. Yeah, three subs, way, three subs in the 89th minute. Way too long. Like, what's what's that gonna do? Like Estacal or whatever you want to call him. This guy should have come on at halftime. He made it. He had 20 minutes. He made a difference. He did make a difference. He's the only midfielder that could piece something together. Samuel Piet is not a guy that can piece anything together everyone says he had a great game he had an okay game he's a defensive mid yeah he's a he's a destroyer but yeah his his game isn't to distribute the ball yeah they had they had nobody distributing the ball from the midfield and even i could see that from the from the start of the game uh, it, this game was screaming for esta and 
he comes on with 20 minutes yeah. left. Like I, that I don't I don't understand. And then hearing about the pitch and how it was bumpy and this and that. You are professional players. A lot of you guys play in MLS. The pitches, the quality of the pitches in MLS are not the greatest, right? I understand. And, and, and guys like Alfonso Davies, you guys go to Timbuktu in the Champions League for qualifying sometimes in the group stage, and you guys play on some of the worst pitches I've ever seen. You adjust. You adjust. That is no excuse. Bottom line is you went in Jamaica and you failed. This, to me, is considered a failure. Now... And pits their qualification on a knife side yeah. now. I mean, the the States, guys. The States lost to Panama at the same time. Well, same that, that's the saving grace is that... Uh, yeah, but guess what? Panama knows they don't have to play tonight. They just got to sit back tonight. And get they the point. They sit back and they get the point. But that's, just, but that's the saving grace that the only runaway team has been Mexico. USA, Panama, they're all there for the take. But now dangerous part is you have Costa Rica who are you know who are on the rise now they're just still, I mean, Costa they're Rica's went away the from they're, yeah they're away they're they're went away from being in the top three yeah Costa Rica's playing the state tonight so that game is huge but at the same time you'd feel a lot better going into this game against Panama if you took all three points in Jamaica you would you would I was expecting you lose in Mexico you beat Jamaica and you beat Panama. That that's how the plan should have been. Instead, you got the tie. Then you go out and you play scared against Jamaica. Get the tie now, and then you're gonna. If you beat Panama tonight, you get five points in this run where you should have gotten six. So at the end of the day, that to me is a failure. Yeah, not good so far. Two out of three games played. Panama to come up. What do you expect? Panama, Canada here. Panama's gonna be stubborn. Panama's gonna be stubborn. Canada has to win. Canada doesn't win this. The World Cups. You can kiss the World Cup goodbye. I agree. That's my Must opinion win. of it. I'm going to be cheering as loud as I can for Canada. Ignatius is going to stay up tonight to watch this game with me. And uh, I can't tell you how ready I am for this game. Don't watch the Leafs season opener tonight. Watch the Canada game. Support these guys. How incredible would it be to see Canada at Qatar? If, if Canada is going to do anything in the 2026 World Cup as a triple co-host they have to get to qatar and they have to start they have to at least play three games in qatar if they're going to have any sort of impact at 2026 and and this is the there's no better chance than now yeah, i mean this is the weakest the states down. this is the weakest costa states. rica is riding on their old glory days of like look who scored the two goals for them brian ruiz and celso borges same with them through yeah, El same with honduras isn't this isn't the same honduras from uh, no. 2014 you know, mexico's a mess Mexico isn't the superpower they were before, and Panama Panama is really the only team coming from the previous World Cup that yeah. have a bit of momentum. So this is the time for Canada. Yeah. They just gotta get get their act together. I uh, I just want to. I don't like doing this, but there's one player I gotta criticize a little bit. Actually, two. Do it, Anthony K in the uh, midfield. Oh, Anthony K. He. He's an MLS player. What do you expect? He had his opportunity in Mexico. I mean, in uh, the Jamaica game, and he was maybe the worst player on the pitch. Yeah. Wasn't too happy yeah. with his performance. Uh, so something just has to be looked at there for the Panama game. I don't think he should start. And as well up top, I know Kyle Aaron, not available. But Jonathan David, come on. How, playing for the deal for the, God's sake. The opportunities that are being missed. He 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 doesn't get involved in the in the no. build up play often enough. He just needs to. I know there's a talent in there, but he's got to start showing it. Yeah. 
for this international team. I think team. you're better off running with Lucas Cavallini, to be honest with you, in that game. Well, these are questions that have to be asked. It's, he's, well, we talked about this with Mancini, but sticking the players that are a little bit out of form. I think he's one of those players that are out of form because uh, yeah. he hasn't shown up now for, no. for a little bit. Oh, and you had to run Alfonso. You're running off. Remember, I know Alfonso Davies is, by, is miles ahead in terms of talent and skill compared to this Canadian national team, the rest of the players here. But John Herdman is running this guy 90 minutes every game. And in the CONCACAF window, you're playing three games instead of two. So this guy's playing Bayern Munich, Champions League, and then three games in an international break. This guy's going to burn out. I, this was a game you got to find a similar replacement uh, for Alfonso Davies because in a game like this, Alfonso Davies should be playing maybe 60 minutes. Rest him for half an hour because you have a massive game tonight against Panama. The guy's going to be exhausted. I understand he he's like a, he's like an engine and he runs nonstop, but the guy is going to be exhausted for this game. He's not going to be as sharp, and I think he's I think he's vulnerable to make some mistakes tonight, which scare me. That's that's what I think about this. And so John Herdman, you better get your tactics right tonight, buddy. And you need to go for it. You need to go for it. You have to win this game. Have to win this game. They do. So yeah, the game's coming up. Canada, Panama. Huge yeah. game. Check it out tonight. It's uh for those of you that have football TV, it's on one soccer. <laughs> and I think Sportsnet's carrying it too, because they're simulcasting it. Um so be sure to check it out. And uh, support these guys. I mean, it th- to make the World Cup in Qatar would be... Oh, it'd, be it'd be amazing. Massive. Back-to-back World Cups. Like Canada hasn't been there since 1986. So, Anyway, USA, Costa Rica, Canada, Panama, Honduras, Jamaica, El Salvador, Mexico. So some big games. Keep an eye on that for CONCACAF. Now, right. let's move in to the City A. Finally. Round eight. Some big matches coming up. Some excited matches. Um, I'll just get right into it. Let's go. Spezia, Salernitana. Let's go, Spezia. Tiagamata, chopping block. Salernitana picking up their first win before the break. This is a this is another relegation battle, six-pointer here. Both teams in a must-win situation. I don't know about you, but I like the way Salernitana have been playing the past couple of weeks. Past couple of match days, uh, especially winning that game for the international break, they got momentum. Don't have any real international players, so the squad st- stood, t- stayed together for this international break. So you can tell you, Castori is definitely working with this squad. I think they're going to come out of the gate and they're going to win this game. What do you think? Yeah, this is going to be, like you said, it's a relegation six-pointer. But on top of it, the injury list for both of these teams is next level. I'm talking about 10-plus players each in each squad missing for this game and, and, and starters too. So both teams, the injury list is, is substantial. They're going to have to put makeshift players in. Uh, the formation, the coaches are really going to be pressed here to, to come up with the makeshift system. Um, and this is two teams that concede a ton of goals. The edge is going to come down, I think, for for Spezia, I think this is a game they will pull off because I just think there's too many injuries. Uh, Bolognetsoli, Ribery is now out. Simi's going to have to play. Uh, the midfield is a shambles for Salinitana, losing one of their best players, uh, Kulabali, in there. Ditakio should get the start, even though he was on the bench, so he should Capitano slot in. Capitano had a great game last time. Uh, but 
these are both injury riddled teams. Anything can happen. Uh, expect, I think, a few goals in this game, but I'm going to give the edge to uh, Spezia just for their overall. They play better football than Salernitana, I believe, and I think it will be enough to uh, to beat Sal- to beat Salernitana. Sorry, so Giuliano's telling to take Spezia. I'm telling to take Salernitana. Now let's move on to a huge game here. Simone Inzaghi returning to the Stadio Olimpico. Lazio hosting Inter. What a way to get back in the city, <laughs> ah, Giuliano. Take me through. What this a way one. to get back. Uh, Simone Inzaghi, the pressure is going to be on him. I'm sure he's going to be here in the jeers. But Ella is really the only player coming off on great international break. Lataro getting injured. Uh, so there's a, a few question marks for Inter. Lazio have this weird streak of being hot and cold under Saudi. Haven't really got it together yet. But I think the momentum is going to stick with Inter here. They haven't lost in, uh, in five matches. They score more than two and a half goals a game uh, on average almost. They're they're just the better team, I think, than Lazio. They have every piece you need. Lazio are still a work in progress. I think we know at Lazio how you beat them. Milinkovic, Savic, Luis Alberto, shut them down, and that's it. After that, it, it's not that difficult. Uh, the, the biggest thing is going to maybe be to Felipe Anderson if he gets into the game. If, it's, if he's going to be on the left or right, is how the left or right wing back is going to handle him. He can be tricky. He can be a creative force in the team. But I think if you take out Luis Alberto and, and Milikovic Savic, which is easier said than done, it should be a pretty straightforward win for, for Inter. But Inter also have the advantage historically. They've, in the last four to five games, they scored first, and they're usually winning. Uh, in the first half. So, enter for me. Yeah, they, have, this, they have Lazio's number. This is going to be a very interesting game. I mean, these are both teams that thrive on counterattacks. So, it's going to be interesting to see who has the ball and who's going to dictate it. Is Simone Inzaghi going to let Sadi's team dictate the game or is Sadi going to let Simone Inzaghi's enter dictate the game? And I think whoever, to me, lets them let's dictate the game. So, if, if Inter... I think Inter wins this game if they give Lazio the ball, because I think it, Lazio is really, really weak at, count, at at defending against a counterattack, and Inter thrives on fast break goals. Um, so I think if Simone Inzaghi is smart and Inter wins this game, they have to give Lazio the ball. Um, on the other hand, I mean, Sarri, this game will be. I see. I just see one way traffic here. I just see Inter winning this game. I don't see a domination. I think if Inter gives Lazio the ball. Inter's going to win comfortably on the counterattack and just eat them alive because that's, like I said, Lazio's weak point. Whereas if Lazio gives Inter the ball, I still think Inter's got too much, so much more quality and so much more opportunities to make chances. They're still going to win, but I think it will be a closer game. I think Lazio will hit one on the counterattack and it will be like a 2-1 victory. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen, who's going to come out, who's going to dictate the game. We'll see. I mean, to me, Lazio's at home. You would think Lazio would dictate the game. Simone Inzaghi will tell his squad, okay, give him the ball, and then it will be a, it'll be a very comfortable Inter win that way. But either way, I see Inter winning this game. Next up, AC Milan hosting Hellas Verona. Tricky game. Tricky game in a, in a game where Verona. Milan is now missing Mike Magnan. He's going to be out, needs keyhole surgery in his wrist. So you got to run with uh, Tatarazan and 
a monster there. Yeah, the Romanian, uh, Romanian the backup, Junior Maceso, Davide Calabria, Olivier Giroud, Florenzi, Zlatan, still out. Uh, Bakayoko, Theo Hernandez has COVID-19. Uh, so <laughs> Milan missing a... Decimated. Decimated in their sign-up. Against Verona, who's been undefeated in their last four games. Un- they've, they're undefeated under Igor Tudor. Yeah. So Tudor yet to lose a game. This is the time to play Milan. Yeah. Uh, with all these injuries and uh, going to be a makeshift team. Um, and Milan has not kept a clean sheet in in, in uh, five out of the last six matches going. So defense has been a bit shaky for Milan, although they've been pretty good. They they are conceding goals. And Verona, we know, been scoring a lot of goals recently. Yeah, they're just they're firing on all cylinders right now. Yeah, so... Who do we pick here? This is going to be a, a relatively healthy Verona. They're only missing Davide Farioni. So relatively... It's a big piece missing. Relatively healthy. Goal. Yeah, it is a huge piece because he's he is key to the right the right side of the field for them. But what do you think, Christian? Milan versus Verona. Oh, it's, to me, this is tough. This isn't an, this isn't an easy game. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be scared to play Hellas Verona right now. That, that, it's just simple as that. The only question is, has this international break cooled them down a bit because they haven't played in a while i mean but they've been training they've been training at the same time they don't have too many internationals so yeah, so they're well rested compared to and well prepared for milan yeah absolutely that's all they've been really focusing on uh to me it's just i think it's a tough game i just think the the amount of unavailable players adds up here for ac milan to me i think it's gonna it's gonna work out to an exciting draw I think Verona and AC Milan are going to draw here. It's going to be two missed points for AC Milan, but with the amount of players that they are missing, uh, with the way Verona has been playing under Igor Tudor, I just think they're going to keep rolling, and uh, it'll be a huge point for them and two points lost for Milan. That's my opinion. Yeah, me Verona haven't won in uh, in their last five fixtures. They've lost every single one against Milan, but I think this is where the tide turns. I do believe they get a draw. I think Milan is going to drop uh, two points here. And I think Igor Tudor, his undefeated run continues on to five games. So, yeah. all right. So we're both tying two two. I'm going to say a two two draw to San Siro. All right. So next game, kind of a snooze fest here. Cagliari hosting Sampdoria. Cagliari, Sampdoria. Yeah. yeah. Cagliari are just a mess. But now they've had an international break under Walter Mazzari. Have they learned anything, Jules? What do you think? <laughs> Have they learned anything? Probably not under Walter Merzati. They probably learned nothing, to be uh, to be honest. But Cagliari, they're at home. They're hosting uh, Sampdoria and Candreva's perm that day. And we know how great he's been next to Pellegrini, probably the second best Italian in the in the league. Um, so I think Sampdoria have the edge here. Cagliari, once again, injury-wise, they're going to be missing a few players, but nothing really. They're They're a flexible squad, really. Anyone can come in and out of that squad. I wouldn't be too concerned if I'm a Cagliari fan in regards to the starting lineup, but Sampdoria missing Damsgaard to a hamstring injury. So a yeah. guy who plays better for Denmark than he does Sampdoria. So once again, not a big, not a big miss. But in regards to the game, I will say Sampdoria have not won in their last three games. Uh, it's either been draws or losses. They haven't been able to keep clean sheets, uh, but they do score bucket loads of goals. That's the amazing thing about Sampdoria, but they cannot translate it into wins. I think here they do. I think it's going to be an easy win against Cagliari, a team who hasn't won in seven, hasn't kept a clean sheet in nine games. Uh, they've been first to concede five out of their last seven games. 
and they're and it's just not looking good. Defense has been a shambles, and I don't think Walter Mazzotti. We'll see if he's done his homework and has been able to kind of fix the way the team plays defensively and and give Cranio some support and X. We know how great of a talent he is, but let's face it, the team is not there in front of Cagliari, and I think it's going to show. I think Sampdoria are easily going to score three or four goals in this game and run away winners. Yeah, I mean, uh, this one I don't think is going to be as easy to call as Giuliano makes it sound. <laughs> um, but uh, when you look at the standings, I mean, Ka- Sampdoria are just sitting above the relegation zone. Cagliari with a win could realistically jump out of the relegation zone. So this is another huge, this is a huge opportunity for them. They are at home. And uh, they need something. They need some life. And it's. I think it's going to be a huge battle in between the sticks. Two promising goalkeepers, Alessio Cranio versus Emil Aldero. Um, at the end of the day, though, who's going to have a better game in between the sticks? I think that's going to dictate who wins this game. And uh, for me, I am going to go with Sampdoria to win this game just on just based on how they've been looking compared to Cali. Cali are just a disaster. But I wouldn't be surprised if Cagliari stole this game. But I'm going to go with my heart, and I'm going to say Sampdoria win this game. On to the next game here. What do we got, Jules? Empoli Atalanta to Carlo Castellani. So Empoli hosting. Tricky, tricky game. We'll see. Empoli, one of the tougher teams to predict. Somehow sitting mid-table. Knocking wins off of Juve. Uh, nine goals for 12, go- 12 goals against getting a no draws four losses three wins so it's been a strange season frankly it's either they show up to a game or they get uh, just spanked so what do, what do we expect against Atalanta who are currently sitting in eighth three wins two draws two losses 10 goals for nine goal against just they've only scored one more goal than conceded Atalanta which is very surprising so what do we think is going to happen in this game well, they leak a lot of goals. That's the big one. They leak a lot of goals going up against an Empoli team that has been very impressive this year. Um, on paper, Atalanta should win this game, but the game is never played on paper. It is played on the pitch. Uh, I think we're going to head to a draw in this game. And uh, I just think Napoli's going to st- or Atalanta's going to stumble out of the gate after the international break. And Empoli, another team that doesn't really have any international players, so has been preparing for this game for a while now. So I expect big things from Empoli in this game. And I think Empoli's going to do enough to get a draw here. That's a, that's a quite the call. I'm going to pick an Atalanta win. They are missing Dimshiti, Pasina, Gosen. So big pieces missed. And the only player missing for Empoli is uh, Pinamonti. But... The goal scorer for me still is missing in this team. Pinamonti was their best player in the last two games he played before he went out injured. I'm gonna. Th- I think if Zupat, if he can come back in time for Colombia and be sharp, and and we gotta say uh, Muriel as well, if he even went, if these guys are sharp, Atalanta I think should should get a win. But a draw, yeah, could be very yeah. very possible. As we know, that tough. South American qualification for the World Cup. It's affecting a lot of teams, especially in Italy. So yeah, because they're get they're leaving on the Friday. They're coming back on the Friday. Yeah, leaving sometimes less than twenty four hours to prepare and and f- less than forty eight hours, which yeah. we'll see uh, for a lot of these teams. But every team has to deal with it, so it's fair across the board. Anyway, next match, Genoa Sassuolo. Mm-hmm. Genoa sitting in sixteenth, Sassuolo fourteenth. Both teams in negative goal differential. This is going to be at the Luigi Ferrari Stadium in Genoa. 
what do we think is going to happen here, Christian? Oh, Genoa just, they just, le- they just leak. And I mean, leak goals. They're like a lot more than Sassuolo. I think Sassuolo's defense is a lot more tight, a lot more, you know, well-organized. Uh, in my opinion, a better goalkeeper in Andrea Consigli. I think he's a lot better than Salvatore Sinigu at this age. Um, so for me, I, I just think when you look at the when you look at this team and you look, you got Domenico Berardi, you got Giacomo Raspadori, who's probably got a chip on his shoulder um, because because of his poor showing and yeah, for the Itzuri. yeah, and then you also got Gianluca Scamacca, who is to me a wild card. Um, I just think so, this this game's got some swallow written all over it. I don't think Genoa. Can will be able to handle that Sassuolo attack. So I think this is going to be a nice, comfortable win for Sassuolo. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Sassuolo is going to be a comfortable win. They've, you know, they've won uh, their last three against them. They've scored first usually out of out of all the games. They just have the better talent. Genoa is injury riddled as well. Crescito out, Destro out, Biraski. Funny. They have so many players missing. The list goes on and on and on. And uh, I think they're just missing too many players in defensive positions. We know Sassuolo, how great they are going forward. But Ardi is rumored to be missing the game. Their hip injury, so it will be a big mess. But I still think with Raspadori, with uh, Juric, with Boga, there's enough talent there to get a, oh, a few yeah. goals. And and we know Genoa hasn't kept a, a clean sheet in 11 games, so they're going to concede. We know that. They always concede. So Sassuolo for the win. All right, both time takes Sassuolo. Next up, Udinese hosting Bologna. Udine, Bologna, what do you think? Well, at the Dacia Arena in, in uh, Frugliana there. Must have Frulli Venezia Giulia there. Um, to me, I think, again, I, I I feel like a broken record saying this. They rely on individual talent. They rely on Gerard De Lofeu. Um, and so you take Gerard De Lofeu out of the game, they got nothing. Um Bologna, on the other hand, a, a team with a lot of talent, a team with a lot of potential, a team, I think, on the rise. For me, I just think they got way too much talent there, uh, and I think anybody playing this, anybody playing Bologna, is always going to have a tough time. I think they're finding their their way with Sinisa Mihailovic. Uh, it was a huge, huge victory for them before the international break. Um, so. For me, I'm going to say Bologna are going to continue to roll and Bologna are going to win this game. What do you think? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Bologna is going to be without their focal point, Arnautovic, for this game through a hamstring injury. Uh, he's And Jerry Shelton, too, is going to be missing. Uh, well, it gives the, an opportunity the, for Musa Baro, gives an opportunity for Orsolini. Yeah, so that, that's what I was going to say. Musa Baro, this allows him to play up top. I think a position which he prefers. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Udine... Backline deals with it. A team who hasn't won a game in their last four, so it's been very, very tough going for them. Um, and Bologna, who's been on a bit of an upward, upward trajectory in recent games. But for me, this game has historically draw written all over it. That's usually the result that happens with these uh, when these two teams meet in, in recent games. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna say, uh, even though I give Bologna the slight edge, I'm gonna say we're gonna get a. A draw here. This is going to be the, one of the most least eventful games of this yeah. of this weekend's fixtures. All right, on to the next game. Napoli hosting Torino. This is a this is a tricky one. 
Ivan yeah. Juric's Torino, of course, against uh, coming off a narrow loss against, against the perfect yeah. Napoli. Coming off a narrow loss against Juve in the Derby della Mole. Yeah, in in Napoli. Yeah, they're playing in Napoli at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona. Um, Torino, another team. They they're good, but they don't win. They don't win a lot of games. They're three games without a win. Yes, it's been there's been some tough fixtures in there, but they're at the end of the day, I think they're just a they're a tough mid table team. And I think Napoli obviously have shown that they're the best and Luciano Spalletti has shown that he can adapt his game in, in any style to take yeah. on any team. And I think I think he will get the better of Ivan Juric and I think we will see a uh a Napoli win. I, I don't think Insigne continues. He had a bad run. And the national team, very poor form. I think uh, he'll come back better. He'll be disappointed about that. Willing to show his worth again. And I think uh, we should see a Napoli victory here. All right. Well, so Giuliano's make it, make it 8 and 0. Yeah. Giuliano's telling you to take Napoli. I'm going to do the same thing. Now, move on to the final game of Sunday before the, we have one game more game on Monday. Let's talk about it. Juve Roma, the big one of the weekend. Next to Lazio and Inter, that's yeah. the bigger game. Yeah. No, hey, hey, I, I, I would, uh, I would agree with you here. Um, so Juve are hosting Roma here. I mean, it's not going to be a tough. It's, it's going to be a very tough road for Roma now coming out of this international break. Because Roma, in our next five games, we're playing Juve, we're playing AC Milan, and we're playing Napoli. So this is do or die for Jose. Yeah. So this is this is to see where Jose Mourinho sits compared, in my opinion, compared to Paolo Fonseca. Uh, Jose Mourinho has to take has to if he comes away with one victory against these three teams, then he's automatically better than Paolo Fonseca. But if he comes away with nothing. We're right where we were last year. Uh, some questionable, some players questionable for this. Uh, I know a lot of Roma fans are worried about Lorenzo Pellegrini, but he is back in training. Uh, Tammy Abraham limped off in the last England game. Yeah. Sprained ankle. It looks like he'll be missing the game. It's not the end of the world, Roma fans. I don't know why some of you are losing sleep over Tammy Abraham not playing. To me, Eldor Shomorodov will fill in just fine. But even if he's partially healthy, do you think Mourinho starts him? Even yeah. if he's not 100%? Yeah, because Mourinho's an idiot. So uh, <laughs> he's so, not, not, I wouldn't say Mourinho's an idiot. He's just so stubborn and so set in his ways that he does not care. The one thing that I am happy that, I think it's because he's forced to, because of the, because of the South American uh, qualifiers and the short turnaround time, is Calafiori's going to play. So I'm actually happy Calafiori's playing because Calafiori has actually been better than Vigna so far this season. So the better player, in my opinion, is playing at left back for Roma. Uh, Juve missing a whole bunch of players, I think. All their South American players are pretty much It's out. questionable. Just like questionable. the last international window, they're going to be coming home late, but the game is on Sunday. Yeah. Right now, in regards to injuries, the only guys that are currently out are Adina Rabio, COVID-19, he's out. Alvaro Morata is going to be out with a hamstring injury, and Weston McKenney is going to be out with a thigh injury. So Juve, not too bad. It's just a matter of Allegri. Is he going to feel his players are sharp enough coming from the South American qualifiers. Is he yeah. going to bench them again? Does he make that mistake again? Which I think was a massive mistake yeah. when he did that uh, in in the previous fixture there. So what do we think is going to happen? Juve, Juve looking on the rise. They've, they've, yeah. He's got this counterattack system down. Allegri 
we got Mourinho loves to play counterattacks. Yeah, so it'll as well. be interesting to see what's going to happen there. But I think Mar- I think Mourinho's team are more willing to go and keep possession of the ball than yeah. a, than an Allegri team. So how do we see this? Te- how do we see this game uh, going out? Because this this is the big test for Mourinho. If he doesn't if he doesn't beat one of the big boys, I yeah. think there's going to be a lot of question marks around this guy. This is what I see happening. I see Roma coming out, sitting back, giving Juve the ball, Juve scoring, Roma having a score, and it's not going to get done. So for me, I I see Juve winning this game. I see Juve winning this game yeah, too. It depends, it depends on how game. stubborn he is with his, his yeah. team selection, Allegri, but uh, I, I do see Juve winning this game. I think they're yeah. the better quality players. We've got to remember this is a rebuild season for Mourinho at the end of the day. Yeah, it's 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 not the end of the world if but they lose this Roma game. fans, we know how passionate they are. Yeah. It will be the end of the world if they lose. <laughs> it will be five wins, three draws. I mean, three I'm losses. Not, I'm not losing sleep over this game. The, the pressure, <laughs> the, on, uh, seriously, the pressure but should it's be a, on Juve to win. It is, but it's a huge game for top four because Juve now yeah. is it's punched in for top four. Roma wants to stay in top four. You, yeah. got, you got Fiorentina and Lazio snipping on the heels. Yeah. And... Uh, and for you, Roma fans. And we know fans, who Fiorentina's playing. Yeah, for we'll you, mention next. For you, Roma fans, I hope I'm wrong. I don't want to see them lose. Oh, God. I'll be I'll be friggin' jumping off the friggin' rafters if they beat Juve in this game. But that's just, realistically, you got you to gotta be realistic about this. I mean, has Jose Mourinho learned anything? I mean, look what he did against Lazio. He came out, he sat back, and we paid the price for it. We started way too late. This Juve team has a lot more quality than Lazio, whether you like it or not. And... If he comes out the same approach, it's over. Yeah, he failed his first test. It's so. over. It's over if they come out this way. And they're, and they're at the Allianz Stadium, right? And, and Juve are... The pressure's on Juve to win. Juve are the favorites, clearly. Juve should win this game. And, and that's the way that's the way it goes. But I hope for my sake, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Elder Shamaradov starts, scores three goals, and Tammy Abraham's a thing of the past. So, so I'm just going to go through some head-to-head streaks here between the teams there's been more than uh two and a half goals scored a game in this fixture for out of the last five fixtures uh so both teams usually score a lot of goals in these games uh a lot of corners so a lot of goal scoring opportunities which set pieces will be huge uh in this game i I feel as well juve usually the first to score four to five games uh roma haven't kept a clean sheet in their last five against juve so i think that continues here uh juve have not lost a game in their last six matches so looking really good. Uh, so it will be a, a tough. I think, yes, Roma are the slight underdogs in this game. And, and Juve have everything. Uh, Roma are the underdogs. To play for here. So let's go on to the next match at yeah. the Pierluigi Penzo in Venezia. Fiorentina playing Venezia here. Venezia with a new goalkeeper. Sergio Romero. They've been listening, guys. The man you back up for the longest time. He's now Venezia goalie. They finally got a legit goalie, though. They do. Uh, we'll see how good he is still. I'm, I'm, I imagine he's not too bad, but... He's definitely a step up from my empire, whatever you want to call him. The crazy thing is, though, at this fixture, if Fiorentina are to win, which, let's face it, they're favorites, they will be in the top four if, if Juve beat Roma. Fiorentina will be sitting for place. at left back. Yeah, a guy that can't even get into the team. So, what do we think is going to happen in this fixture in, in Venezia? Venezia concede first. Fiorentina's got way too much talent. And Fiorentina wins this game. Hands down. Vlahovic scores pitches in for two goals. Baragi assists on one. Finite. See you later. Yeah, I think I agree. I think 
it's an easy win. Venezia haven't kept a clean sheet in the last eight matches. No one's in the last four. They're usually first to concede. Fiorentina always scores first. They've scored first in their last six games. So this has Fiorentina written all over it. This is their perfect game. A win. But Camiso, I gave him praise for doing this because he kind of put Vlahovic in his place here. That statement about Vlahovic not re-signing, do you think that destabilizes... Not, I'm not just talking about this game. Do you think that that comment destabilizes Fiorentina going into the season? No. About Vlahovic not re-signing his contract and wanted to be a contract rebel and play out the last year and looking to get his move to Atletico Madrid. No, because uh, I think Fiorentina is going to do everything they can to show him that we're a top four team. We're going to get into Europe. We're going to get into Champions League. So they have a point to prove as a squad for him. And then uh, Vlahovic, at the same time, he's trying to prove that he is worth the move to Atletico Madrid because that's where he wants to go. So I think this is a win-win situation here. Um, and uh, you got the whole team fired up, inclu- including Vlahovic, to prove a point. Mind you, there will be different points, but uh, they're, both, they're fired up for the same way. And uh, I just think it's going to work out that way. Nice. So Fiorentina win this game. And that's it. Perfect. One more thing before uh, we move on from City A. So League uh, is cutting their league to 18 teams. It's yep. rumored that City A is going to be soon to follow. So something they did, uh, I believe early 2000s, late 90s, I believe there was 18 teams in City A. I'd have to look back. But uh, what are your feelings on 18 teams in no, City A? No, I think it's good. I think it's good. It's going to make it's going to make it harder. It's going to definitely make it harder. I think it's worked out really well for the Bundesliga. Um, the 18 team system. I think 20 is a little too watered down because then you have those teams that get smacked around. Like look at the teams getting smacked around, right? So um, I, I'm for it. I think it's great, and uh, I hope it happens. But anyway, that sums up today's podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Radio Tifosi. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram Tifosi underscore football underscore radio. Send us an email with questions, discussion, Tifosi football radio at gmail.com. And also subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, like and subscribe to our videos. Uh, we don't get them out every week, but uh, keep, out, keep, out, uh, keep out for them. Uh, once again, thanks so much for all your support. We really appreciate it. And until next time, ciao ragazzi. Ciao ragazzi. And enjoy a fantastic match day eight that is coming up. We'll be back. Yeah, 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 yeah.